sharing and loving, and that's what the family of God's all about. All right, I want to talk to you this morning about what manner of love is the title this morning, and we're going to take that thought from 1 John, the third chapter, those of you that want to turn there in your scriptures, and we'll pick it up there after we talk to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you again for the opportunity we've had to be your people and to move and do things that you would have us to do week in, week out, and come together now at this time just to praise you for all the touch, all the things you've done in other people's lives, all the things you've done in our lives, and now the fact that you brought us together to worship and praise you, we know we need to do it because you're worthy of all the praise we can give you. We ask you, Lord, to crown the service with victory. May the glory uh, go to you for all that's said and done. Anoint us in a special way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What manner of love. 1 John, the third chapter. I'm going to read down through it. And I'm going to read more than we're going to get to. Uh, there'll probably be a uh, service next week that dovetails off of this one. So make sure you take good notes so you'll be ready for next week. How's that sound? All right, verse one says, Behold, what manner of love, and that's where we got our title, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now, are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for, he, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Amen? That was the early message we had. Amen. I guess Adam and Eve, uh, the first message they got from God was, why don't you guys love one another? Amen? And try to get along. Amen. All right, so when we go to verse 1 here, he opens up with the word behold. Now why would John use that word? He uses it again in verse number 2. The word behold is an attention getter. When he said behold or when the Holy Spirit told him to say behold, that's something that we would say like pay attention. Heads up. The truth 
we need to hear. And that's what's going to matter in the end. So now that the Holy Spirit has our attention, he tells us what manner of love. Did you ever think about what manner of love God has given us? Amen. What does the word manner mean? What manner of love? You know what love is, right? Sometimes. Anyway, he says, what manner of love? So there must be several different kinds of love. Amen. I know that for a fact, because I've had people that say they love me. Well, I was pulling the dagger out of my back, you know. Amen. I know you're, you know what I'm talking about, because you've got family members too. Amen. Amen. Now, what manner of love are we talking about here? Well, I want you to understand that God talks about the kind of love, and even in the Greek language, in the translation of it, there's three different words that translate into love because of the different variances of what that love actually means. Amen? Because there's a love you have for a brother and sister. There's a love you have of God. There's a love you have for a spouse. There's a love you have for children. They're all different varyings. Or you may even love your co-worker, but, you know, Come 5 o'clock, you're glad they're going that way and you're going this way. But while you're on the job, you can appreciate and love and work with them. Those levels of love, we understand and know the difference between each of them. So when he says what manner of love or what kind of love are we talking about here that the Father bestows on us or bestows means what manner of love he gives us or what is manifested in that love in our life in any way. Now the word love here in verse number one is the word we know and you probably have heard the Greek word agape. All right, that's godly love. That's unconditional. That means there's nothing you can do to stop that love at least not on God's part. God's going to love you with that agape love, unconditional, no matter where you go, what you do, or what happens. It's an unconditional love. Amen? Now, I don't really want to get ahead of ourselves, but in the last verse I read, in verse 11, it says that we should love one another. I looked that one up. That's a whole different word than what we're talking about here in verse 1. Okay? But you should love one another. You're not going to love them as much as if you would say or on the degree or level that God loves you, but we need to be able to get along with one another. Amen. They're different Greek words. See, I don't know if I'm capable of loving one another the way God loves me. I can try. I can try to overlook them, but I mean, they step on your toes enough times. Hmm, hmm, hmm. That love kind of starts to diminish just a little bit, doesn't it? Amen? So, but we need to just be, do our best to love one another. Maybe the best way to understand this manner, manner of love is to read it from the everyday. I gave Mike uh, the thought he can put it up there because the everyday says the Father has loved us so much that we're called the children of God. Amen? That's how much... God loves it. Personally, I'm so impressed by the love of God that it motivates me to be the best I can be in living the life I believe that would make my heavenly Father proud of me. Now, we talk about pride in the 
from a scriptural standpoint, and even the word pride has some different meanings about it. I don't mean pride as though I'll puff my shoulders up and I'm, you know, I'm doing great. You know, well, for example, how are you? How was your parents proud of you? Amen. If you brought your report card home and had all A's on it, hmm, they'd come want to take you out for ice cream that night, wouldn't they? Amen. You come home with a D. And then you took a, the teacher put the D in there in black ink and you took blue ink and changed it to a B. That wouldn't go, well, they weren't as proud of you when you did something like that. We've had experience with that. Amen. So, but what I I'm, I'm want you to know, I have a lot of examples in my past in my mind. I couldn't go into the time to tell you all about them. I still have a lot of childhood memories that I have where my dad's approval was on my life. And I knew when I did what he approved of, he let me know. I know he didn't take me out for ice cream every time. We couldn't afford that much ice cream. I was such an angel. Right, Paul? Never mind. But my dad wanted me to be a hard worker. And when he gave me a job to do, I went out and worked hard at it. I've just developed a time in my life where everything I learned to do, I did it hard. When I worked hard, when I slept, I slept hard. When I ate, I ate hard. That's why I got up false teeth now. But all the things in my life I ever did, I ever did hard. When we played, we played hard. Amen. You throw a football down and the fight was on, brother. That's the way we did things. And I knew that made my dad, if you would, happy to be uh, the dad or uh, wanted me to be so that he would be proud of me. Now, it wasn't in the fact that I was the best one in the family or I was, you know, he was just proud in the way you say um, his, his approval was on what I was doing. I, I know we use the word pride and we know what the Bible teaches on pride, that it's not what it should be. But I'm glad that I can have those memories in my mind. My dad wanted me to be an honest man. Amen? Brother Rob spoke on promises, God keeping his promises. Well, my dad taught me, your word's your promise. Amen? And if you can't keep your word, you're a zero. Nobody's ever going to count on you no more after that. So keep your word. Amen? And uh, my dad let me know he was happy with me when I was honest with other people, even though sometimes I had to pay the price for being honest. Amen? When I had uh, uh, the meringue on my nose and mom said, don't get into the lemon meringue pie, I knew I'd been caught. Amen? And I had to be honest about it. Well, the same is true with our Heavenly Father. You know, when you do things that pleases God, He wants you to know He appreciates that. Amen? Now, I can say what manner of love, and it's agape love, and it's unconditional love, and He never quits loving us, but there are times when He's, if you would, proud, or His approval's on what we're doing. Amen? So when I've made good, righteous choices in my life as a not only as in the last few years as a pastor, but even in my early stages of my Christian walk with him, I believe my Heavenly Father was happy with me. Amen? 
Now, I know there were times I couldn't do uh, things the way I wanted to do them, but I knew I was doing it because I knew that's what God wanted me to do. So there are things that are just obvious. Amen. Amen. Some of the ways you talk, God's not pleased with. Some of the things you go, don't go there. Amen. But when you make the right choices, God is happy with you. How do I know? Because he blessed my spirit. And he encouraged me to, if you would, keep it up. We're doing great work here. Let's do more of it. You see, the manner of love that God has for us is that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. That's cool, isn't it? Now, he only had one son, and he thought quite a bit of him. But guess what? How much more does he think of you when you do the things he asks you to do? And if we're the sons of God, that makes us the same, if you would, as Jesus in his eyes, so to speak. Amen. But of course, Jesus is just on a little bit higher plane than we are because he's the only begotten son of God because Jesus was a sacrificial lamb that came to take away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist said in John 1.29. After giving, getting through the Thanksgiving season with our family, it helps us to realize the love a family should have one for another. Amen. You know what? I'm always glad when I see my family around Thanksgiving. I'm glad when I see them come for some of them, and I'm glad when I see them go for some of the others. But I'm always glad to see them. Amen? There's a lot of things that we have to understand that when we're dealing with personalities, there's going to be some things we don't appreciate about people. But we need to have a love because of how God has given us this manner of love that we can share one with another. Those of us that have already lost family members, you probably missed them on Thanksgiving, didn't you? We realize what family love means to us, and here God is wanting to share His love with us as His spiritual family. And that means more to God, if you would, than if you had been in a physical family relationship. And we need to respect God enough to appreciate what he's done for us in allowing us to get our sins removed, breaking down the barriers that separated us, and calling us back into the family uh, that we need to be in. When we read the word therefore, it's a study word. And it means based on what I just said. So here's the conclusion we can draw from that previous truth. Therefore, when we become the sons of God, therefore, based on that, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Amen? Verse 1 makes it very clear. If somebody is not having the relationship with you that as, what do you want to say, family member or even as a Christian, you know, what can we draw from that conclusion? They don't know God like you do. Amen. They don't know the manner of love like you do. You should be able to step across that divide and meet them and have fellowship with them um, in a lot of cases. And I realize they don't know God because they don't know him. It makes it harder for us to have fellowship with them. 
I know what I just read is a spiritual truth. But I still in my heart want to share this manner of love God has given me with others that don't know this agape love from my heavenly Father. There's a time we just need to reach out a little farther. So then he gets into verse number two. And again, behold. Remember what that means? Heads up. Listen up. Pay attention. Amen? Now. When's now? Well, right, it'd be uh, 1124 is now. Amen? It's the present. Anytime in your life that you think of the present being, whether it was last week or next week, it's still going to be when that time comes to the present. It's now. We are the sons of God. When are we the sons of God? When God has set his love on us. Amen? That's if we know the manner of love God bestowed on us through Jesus Christ. And it does not yet appear, the scripture says, what we shall be. Amen. What do you want to be? As great as our salvation has been in our individual walk with God in life, the future has the potential to get better and better and better. And the farther we walk in the will of God, being led by the two witnesses, His Word and His Spirit, the more we're going to understand what manner of love God has done in our lives. Amen? So when you think, oh, I've got it rough, well, that might be now, but the love of God in your life gives you the potential to look beyond that. What's tomorrow going to bring? Well, if you're all beat down and downtrodden about all the problems and situations and you just keep feeding them, well, you're going to be beat down tomorrow too. But you don't have to be because the love of God has the potential to get you beyond all of those circumstances. Now, I don't know what tomorrow has in store for us. But for the past 46 and a half years, uh, there's been an example of the manner of love in my life that I don't want to miss what's coming down the pike for me in my life as God walks with me in the walk that he wants me to walk. Amen. One thing for sure. The scripture says, when he shall appear. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking that means the second coming. And that's fine. You want to believe that second coming? Because we know he is going to appear in the second coming. But you know what? He appears to us all the time. Amen? I would like for you to think just to follow along with me here. And you can believe the second coming too because that's going to hold water even in the thoughts that we're talking about here. But when he shall appear, whether he appears to you in the word of God, whether he appears to you through the spirit of God, whether he appears to you in Sunday school, whether he appears to you in a church service, whether he appears to you over the radio or on TV or wherever the banner of love that God has for you opens your eyes to what God wants you to be, that's when you can uh, get the update and be what you should be uh, when he comes and the manner of love that he's going to share with you when he does come. Now, I know you can say, well, he, when he appears, uh, we shall be like him. Well, when are we going to be like Jesus? Well, I don't know as we're ever in this earth ever going to catch up to being like him. But you know, that's what God said we're predestined to do. 
were predestined to be in the image of Christ. That's a lot of work. That takes a lot of doing. In 46 and a half years, I know I'm closer to the image of Christ. But man, it seems to me like I got a long ways to go if I'm going to be on the same plane with Christ. But then the day's going to come when he's going to call me home. And at that point, the scripture says, he's going to reveal to me and I'm going to be what uh, I need to be for God in every way, shape, and form there. It says, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. You notice after the word him, another colon. That means, and add to that, amen, for, that's a study word, it means because, we shall see him as he is. You know why a lot of people don't see him as he is now? Because they're looking through fleshly eyes, not spiritual eyes. Amen? God has a way of revealing himself to us. And we need to make sure that we accept what he sends our way and enjoy the agape manner of love that God has for us. In verse 3, now these revelation, if you would, that we receive from time to time, they give us hope. Amen. One thing everybody needs is hope. I think we live in a 2022 year, amen, where hope is kind of put on the back burner. Everybody wants hope, but they're not willing to pay the price to get it. But God's offering hope to all of us. And if you want to know if he's given you any in 2022, don't forget to pick up a calendar on your way out every day, right on there, what hope you have in God and how he's dealt with you through the year that you've got. And this hope is a desire to purify yourself even as he is pure. Amen? You know what makes you pure in someone else's eyes? I can tell you it's how much love you have for him. Amen. Amen. You know why? The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. In their eyes, they may only see your mistakes until you display the manner of love that God wants you to have for them. Amen. When you display that love, that is what's going to turn their hearts and lives around into, if you would, seeing what you are already have in your life. So verse 4 in contrast to that hope and in being pure, whosoever um, commits sin transgresses the law, the scripture says. Well, which law is that? Now, what's the subject? Love. You know that God has a law of love? Huh. Because he told us we need to have all manner of love, right? He's given us the manner of love in which we should do. Now, just to clear the air on what sin is, and uh, uh, he goes on to write in verse number four what we use in the church or in, in theological standpoints, a definition of sin. Sin's a transgression of the law. Amen. Did you know that? Well, how about that? Now you know what sin is or where, where we can find a definition for it. Again, we have to ask the question, which law? Well, any law... God wrote on your fleshly heart when he removed your stony heart and gave you a new life when you were born again, 
that's the law God's going to require of you. Did you know that? Let me read it to you from Ezekiel, the 11th chapter. I'm going to read it quite a bit here, but you'll get to the point here. Verse 17, therefore, say, when he, and Ezekiel is talking here to Jerusalem that was sinned and had turned her back on God, and God's going to, if you would, punish them and let the Babylonians come in and tear down their city, burn their houses, destroy everything, break down the wall, and take them captive, take them back to Babylon. All right? And he says, you're going to do that because of what you did. But here's what's going to happen. Therefore, say thus, thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast them far among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Therefore, say, thus saith the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 18. I meant, I, I didn't mean to read 16. All right, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from my people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have scattered. I will give you the land of Israel, and they shall come thither, and they shall take away all detestable things thereof of all the abominations thereof from thence. So God says, when I bring you back, I want you to come back a different people because I'm bringing you back out of the love. Amen. I can leave you out there in those detestable things. I'm calling you out of it. And he says, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them. I'll take out the stony heart of their flesh and I'll give them a heart of flesh. How about that? There's another colon. And add to that that they may walk in my statutes Keep my ordinances and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Amen. You know how God keeps in connection with you? He writes you a love note every day on your heart. Isn't that something? All you got to do is wake up in the morning and read what God has for you that day. Amen. Walk in it. Amen. We see when Israel forsook God in their day and went their own way, God allowed their ways to take them to places they didn't want to go because of their sin. You know what the old saying is about sin? It'll take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. That's what sin will do in your life. You see, God's principle about sin has never changed. It was the same in Old Testament Israel as it is in 2022 or 2021, I guess, that we live in today. And going forward, it won't change if God allows the world to stand that long. See, God's still against unbelief. God's still against pride and division. He's still against sin, no matter what the devil's trying to convince you of. I've heard it said, but I didn't know it was sin. Yes, you did, because it's written right on your heart. Amen. You was a child of God, and you turned and walked after that sin that the devil put out there, thinking it was going to be, if you would, uh, greener pastures. So you went after that, and then when you lost out with God, you said, well, I didn't know. Yes, you did. I don't buy that, not for one minute, because God wrote it on your heart, and you just didn't obey what was written down. Amen.
In James 4, 17, it says, Therefore for him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it's sin. Amen. And that means the other way around too. Those that knows you shouldn't be doing something, and go ahead and do it. Amen. So we need to make sure we have a right relationship with God. You see, sin is an individual disobedience to what God's written on your heart. You know better and don't do better, you're in trouble with God. Amen. That's no different. You on the job. If you know better and don't do better, they're gonna let you know about it. Amen. At home, you know to do better and don't do it. Your your wife will never mind. Anyway. Amen. When God writes things on your heart, you know, you need to obey those things. Now, what he writes on my heart might be different than what he's written on your heart. Do you know there's things in the Bible that I don't have to obey? Did you know that? Where it says, wives, love your husbands. I ain't going to obey that. I ain't no wife. Amen. I don't have a husband. But then where he says, husbands, love your wives. Ah, he wrote that on my heart. That one I'm going to keep. Amen? So make sure what you read on your heart is what God has put there. Amen? So we need to understand that there are times when we need to do what's on our heart and obey what they are. Also, there are things that I do, I was told by others, they thought was sin. I had a man call me one day and just absolutely. I answered the phone, hello, and that's the last word I got in. He ripped me up one side and down the other and told me off in no uncertain terms, told me every mistake I ever made, and then hung up on me. Huh. And that's something. And I looked at my heart, and my heart said, that's not in there. He has no idea. See, so sometimes we have to uh, make sure our brain's in gear before we engage our mouth to do things that aren't what God says they should be. So what is written on my heart, that's what I have to obey. Amen. I'm not going to tell you what's on your heart. You have to obey those things. Now, if you tell me God showed you you shouldn't go those places and I see you there, I'll probably remind you. Amen? God told you not to do that and you did it. Hmm. I might just have to say something about, huh, didn't you tell me God told you different? Oh, well, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of, if you would, my job from time to time to try to tell others what God wants them to do or to what they, God wants them to be, that's the first step towards legalism. I can't tell you what God wants you to do. I can't tell you what God don't want you to do. You have to read that for yourselves. I don't want to be any part of legalism because I don't want you at the, at, the, at the end of your life say, well, dude told me it was okay or dude told me it wasn't okay when maybe it was or maybe it wasn't. Well, you can't go to the judgment based on what dude said. You better go to the judgment by what God wrote down in your heart. Amen? Amen. So uh, I'm not trying to make you be something or try to get you to show a certain pattern in your life. I don't want you to appear godly. So I stay away from legalism as much as I can. If I don't tell you the truth from God's word, I'm not going to give you my opinion and tell you that's how you should live because God may be telling you something different. That's the problem Jesus had with the Pharisees and Sadducees. They wouldn't listen to what God put on their heart. Amen. They made up their own rules. Amen. It was almost impossible 
to pass every rule that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had just for the Sabbath day. Hey, you can only walk so far. And there are people yet today, Jewish people, the ones that go all the way back, if you would, and could trace their heritage back to Abraham. Amen. They think, oh, I'm God's chosen people, and I'm going to follow along those lines. But guess what? All they're doing is following legalism, and it's not going to save them. No work you can do, no legalism, the way you dress or how you act, eh, it's not going to save you. It's what's written on your heart and how you walk according to that. Amen. So let's just look at sin for what it is. It's rebellion, period. Amen? It's when you want your way and not God's way in your life. Amen. That's all it comes down to. Amen. When we raise our children, guess what? They go through a phase of rebellion. All of them have. I did. And I did. probably all of you can look back as, as a parent and say, man, what did we do wrong? Bonnie and I have even sat down. You know what I told her? We didn't do nothing wrong. They were just kids. They were rebellious. They chose their own path. We tried to straighten them out. We tried to show them the right way. Some kids you are just not going to do that with. They're going to go the way they want to. It's our job to point out the errors of their choices, try to get them to turn around and walk the way God would want them to walk. And it's the same uh, is true with the principles that God writes on our fleshly hearts. We need to make sure we're walking in the things that God wants us to walk. Because if you rebel against them, you're going to fall into the trap called sin. Amen. Now I want you to know the Bible does say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That does appear in there. So I don't want any of you to leave here thinking that I think some of us are perfect angels and have been since birth. But trust me, sin's wrong. Amen. Amen. I always say that sin is the dividing line between heaven and hell. So just draw a line in your mind and write on that line or draw a fence or whatever, a wall, whatever you want, and call that fence or wall called sin. Because that's what's going to divide you from heaven or hell. Amen. Which side of that wall or fence you line up on is where your eternity is going to take you. But when you're connected by the Holy Spirit, or I'm sorry, not connected, convicted of the Holy Spirit, of your sin, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Come back. Humble yourselves. And get on your knees, if you would. That's just a metaphor, too. Uh, to get humble yourself and be what God wants us to be. So look at verse number 5. Man, we're moving right along here, aren't we? Verse 5 says, And ye, ye means all of you, know, there's some things you can know, that he was manifested. What's manifested mean? He was made known unto you. He was revealed to you. Amen? He's talking about Christ. To take away our sins. And of course, there's another one of them semicolons, and that means to add to that, because in him is no sin. Who in this life, who is he that he's talking about, is the he or the him there in that truth? It's Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the one that has no sin. 
Is there anyone here that does not know that about Jesus Christ? Of course not. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't say, ye know. Hmm. Evidently, we know. Said all of you do. Did you know Jesus has no sin? Well, the Bible says so. And if you have any relationship with him, he has experienced that in your life as he walks with you. One of the fantastic things I love uh, about God is that when he requires obedience in you, you know it. He's not going to surprise you. God doesn't have any um, open presents for you and you open it expecting to get the favorite toy you wanted and it's a piece of coal. Amen. That's not the way God operates. God lets you know. That was true in the Old Testament. That was true in Jesus' day. And it's still true today. Sin is not something you get caught doing ignorantly. Now, you may stray and not really give it much thought and wind up where you shouldn't. But if you sat down and thought about it, you have to admit, ah, I should have known better. Amen. Especially if you're given time to reading uh, the scriptures or even if you want to say it, reading the writing on the wall. If you don't think so, ask Belshazzar. He told, he'll tell you. Amen. You read the writing on the wall, the Spirit of God will let you know where you stand before God. Amen. If you're not obeying your Spirit's counsel, you're going to be in trouble with God. God's Word and God's Spirit will never lead you to a place where God's grace can't keep you. Verse 6, it says, Whosoever. Who's that? That's about all of us, isn't it? There's no exceptions to whosoever. No exceptions abides in him, and that him is Jesus, sinneth not. Again, no exceptions. If you're going to abide in Christ, you can't be living in sin. You can't be chasing sin. You can't be loving sin. Amen. But whosoever, again, no exceptions, sins, he hath not seen him, neither known him. Now, you may have seen Christ and continued in sin. You may even have known him and continued in sin, but in this context that he's talking about here, it's as if you've never seen him or known him if you choose sin over walking with Christ. It's as if you were blinded and you don't even know what's going on in your life. The thought of uh, seeing him again goes back to verse number two. It says, when we, he appears... When he appears, you're going to see him. Amen. And then you shall see him as he is, Jesus Christ, the Lord of our salvation. If you continue to sin after you've seen him, shame on you, first of all. It's as if you didn't see him at all because your spirit ignored the fact that there is a way um, to be what you need to be. And now we have to act you would recognize there's this way out of that predicament. God loves you enough to give you an out, even though you continued and did the things you shouldn't. The fact that there's a way out of sin and you love sin more at that moment, uh, there you loved what God had written on your heart, was ignored, now we got a problem. A lot of times I see people <coughs> living a way that they know better than to live 
And it was simply because of peer pressure. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else seems to be having fun. Why can't I have fun? Amen. You're more afraid of losing your camaraderie, <coughs> excuse me, of the group of friends than you were afraid of being true to your heart. I've been invited to places and at the first glance seemed innocent enough. Hmm. But when they closed the door, turned down the lights, set everything up on the tables, it wasn't near what I expected. And I had to make a quick choice and a quick exit. But thank God for the sinless one that appears to offer us the hope that we need to get back to God. That's Jesus Christ. His arms are open to us any time we cry out to him. Now in verse 7, John gives us a warning. And how I know it's a warning? He says, little children. Amen. He's calling us out. Amen. To God, we're always going to be his little children. Amen. And of you that's raised little children and know they messed up, what do you usually do? You say something or call them a name that gets their attention. For me, and I had my children under me, they were coming up and doing things they shouldn't, I always added the middle name, Ray. Amen. If it was Joseph Ray, he knew he'd done something wrong. If it was Mark or Stephen or Missy or Julie, always put the Ray in it. I even do that with Bonnie. Bonnie Ray! <laughs> you know, well here Jesus is not adding Ray, but he's calling us little children. Amen. Because uh, let no man deceive you, or no woman either. Why? You don't know his or her motive in their deception. Amen. It doesn't even matter what title he or she holds or what authority they have over you. If it's your boss and he's out of line, hmm, what are you supposed to do? Well, he's the boss. He has the authority. So I guess I got to do what he says. No, you don't. Not if it's not written in your heart. Amen. I have had to tell bosses a few times in my Christian life, I'm not going there. Yeah. I needed a job when I came here. You fire me, I, eh, I'll find another one. They always plenty of them out there. If you're willing to work hard enough, amen. If you're willing to do what you need to do. But you can't walk a line that even people that have authority or peer pressure on you force you to walk that line. That's not what God wants you to do. Amen? And if he or she gives you an ultimatum, you do it or else. Take the or else. Amen? Because you're going to be better off and God will watch over you even if you lose that job or even if you miss that opportunity that you know God's not in, God will provide something better. Amen? I don't know. I've, I've lost count of how many jobs I've had as a Christian. Not in my lifetime. As a Christian, how many jobs I've lost over the years. 
Finally, I hit one. It stuck out for 31 years. I guess a practice makes perfect. I don't know. But I got a decent job, and it worked out for me. But I never compromised with anything I needed to make me right with God. When they hired me at Sears, I was hired in as a part-time. I already had one full-time job, and they hired me as a part-time. And the man asked me, would I have a problem working any certain days of the week? And at that time, we church I attended had a midweek service on Wednesday. I said, I won't work on Wednesday, and I won't work on Sunday. That's the two days I have church service. So from now till I go to heaven, don't schedule me on Wednesday or Sunday. I won't be here because I have higher priorities. You know what he said? I respect that. Amen. You take a stand for what's in your heart. Let people know where you stand. And they will respect that <coughs> to the place that they can be uh, the right leader for you in all you're doing. The scripture says, he that, knoweth to, or he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he. Who's he? Jesus is righteous. Amen. Amen. You will know what's right when these times of choices are before you because the manner of love that God has bestowed on you. To choose the love of God and obey his voice through the two witnesses will always be the right way to go forward in your personal walk and personal relationship with God. Amen. When you're confused about what steps to take next, ask God. Amen. If you're not sure how to understand what he wrote on your heart, talk to him about it. No matter where you are, no matter what the issue is, prayer is always the way to victory. Amen. If you're walking contrary to God today, you know how to straighten it out? Prayer. Amen. Just give it a little time to God. He'll rewrite your heart. He'll straighten you out. Amen. Remember in verse 1, God desires to call you his child. He wants to call us the children of God. And that's the purpose of showing this manner of love he has showed to us in our Christian walk with him. God's love, his mercy, and his grace is always there to help in anything that God wants us to do and into the graces and blessings you'll receive in your sinless paths as he wants you to walk with him. So now, next week, I'm going to try to finish this. Because I knew when I got here, I wouldn't have time to show you the other side of the coin. Now we know what God wants from us. We know what Jesus has done for us. We're going to pick it up next week, if God's willing, and show you what the devil wants to do for you. I'm going to show you where he came from. I'm going to show you his motives. I'm going to show you what he's trying to pull over your eyes, if you would. Amen. So we're going to look at the devil. Amen. What's he want from you? Where does he want you to go? What's the truth about the life following him? But this morning, let's make sure we're walking with God, walking in God's ways, and living in such a way that others will see Jesus in us and what manner of love we have for others working in our lives to show them where we are and why we are the way we are. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.